I'm Grace, the Amy Santiago of Royal Bloggers. And I'm Jessica, the Dorothy's Borana of Royal Bloggers. And we'd like to welcome you to On Air, the podcast where two cynical Brits discuss the latest royal news and the truth behind the story. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the On Air podcast. So we did take a week off last week which I think was well deserved after the <laughs> accidental three weeks of Queen that we went through. Takes a lot of energy to kill a monarch, you know, we're, we're so yeah. tired. <laughs> Exhausted us, we had so much power, we didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> but we're back and we are, for once, looking at a drama that is not British in nature because there has been a development, shall we say, in Denmark this week where the the Danish court uh, released a statement about certain family members titles. We will get to Denmark obviously but I think we thought it was interesting to talk about how other royal families have handled a situation where there has been some kind of change to titles or change to the status within the family so that you could get a bit of an understanding of how they've handled it um, versus how Denmark has handled it. So the first country uh, I've got on my list is Norway. Um, and so, I mean, there are a few things that have happened in Norway, but I think one of the things is that they have this very clear divide between the royal house and the royal family. And so the royal house is generally the people who work for the monarchy. They are expected to uh, receive funding. They are mostly the main line of the royal family. Um, and then the, the royal family itself is just sort of the wider. Everybody is connected to the to King Harold. Um, and that's not unique to Norway. So there are other countries that we're not going to talk about in as much detail, but they do have this similar system. Um, like in the Netherlands, they also have a royal house, royal family divide. All of that is actually determined by an act of parliament. So it's nothing to do with the royals themselves. But the, at the moment, the royal house in Norway includes the king and the queen, the crown prince and crown princess, and their heir, Princess Ingrid Alexandra, who's um, just turned 18 recently. Uh, so her younger brother, Sver Magnus, is not included. And the king's younger daughter, Princess Marta Louise, is also not included. And I did try to find out where or when that came about, when this royal family versus royal house divide came about. And I kind of drew a blank on finding any concrete information. I don't know if you did. No, I couldn't find any. And every time I Googled it, it just kept saying like, um, it kept bringing up really recent developments that were nothing to do with it, which was really unhelpful. Google, just want to point that out there. I do know that it's something that's been in place for a very long time because the main thing that it impacts is titles. And so, Ingrid Alexandra, who is the future queen, she is Her Royal Highness, whereas her younger brother, Sver Magnus, his title is just Prince Sver Magnus. And in outside of Norway, in countries that generally use an, an HRH or whatever, he's allowed to go by His Highness. But that actually is not part of his title in Norway. He's just Prince Sver Magnus. So yeah, he's 16. He was born in December 2005. And so this and his title has been the same since then so what we, we know that it has at least existed for yeah 16 years um and that Sver Magnus has known the situation and his family have known the situation since he was born um so I think I've always felt like they have this down to a fine art 
because the situation has been stable and everyone has known it since the crown prince and crown princess started having children so it's been known for close to 20 years it feels quite it's, it sounds really bad it feels like it's a very like inclusive way of putting it like you have your your family who is everyone and then the working the house the people who are going to do the work and know it from a very young age it's this really small group and it allows people like prince fair magnus and um the children of marta louise to grow up knowing that they're still part of the family they're just as important but they will never have to do these do this job do these sort of um engagements never have to work because that is not who they are and it's set out from the moment they are born that they don't have to do any work for the family um so it's a really sort of clear divide without ever being like well you're lesser because you're not part of the special group who do the work it's much easier to raise a child with this divide and to know like, okay, well, we have to make sure that they don't feel like this divide and this difference in titles makes them different to, or less important than their sister. But we, we have, they've had 16 years to work on that with Sir, Sir Magnus. It's not just something that's been kind of thrown on them. It was very sensible of him to kind of be like, well, my son's married. He's going to start having children. I'm going to have to start thinking about this. So why don't I just think about it now instead of waiting until they're, you know, 15 years old and then make a decision? You know, he's, he, he thought about it very carefully and planned it out early on. And that has meant that as far as I, I don't know any, you know, well, whenever you watch Ingrid Alexandra give a speech, she always talks about how much she loves her brothers because uh, she has another brother as well who's got no titles because he's... Um, her half brother he's the crown princess's son from a previous relationship so that whole family has a lot of potential situations where people could feel resentful or um could be upset or you know feel lesser than but because it's something that's been the, the case since they were babies they've obviously been raised in an environment where they understood why that decision was made and understood the benefits and the um of each position that they hold and so when you watch Ingrid Alexandra give speeches about her brothers she always talks about how supportive they are they always seem so emotional about how well she's doing and like it doesn't seem to have impacted their relationships royal families are very kind of inherently unbalanced because there is always the heir who will go on and do that but in Norway, they knew right from that point that the, the heir was going to be surrounded by people who couldn't have titles. So it made a lot of sense to almost immediately say, well, we'll just get rid of as many titles as we can for all of them, because it's not going to bother them. Rather than there being, I don't know, uh, Ingrid Alexandra and Sver Magnus with the special titles, but Sver Magnus doesn't really get to do anything with his and then no one else gets one. It kind of balanced it quite immediately because also at the time they didn't know how many children Hakon and Metamorit would go on and have which order they would have them in so it very much kind of ruled out any kind of potential issues early on. Sver Magnus and Ingrid Alexandra and the, the crown prince and crown princess knew what the situation was for their family from the kids birth or before the kids birth but that's not the only time that we've had any kind of title removal or change in status or anything. Um, so with Marta Louise, back in 2002, they announced that she would lose her HRH status, which she'd had um, from birth. And she would still be Princess Marta Louise, but she wouldn't be Her Royal Highness. She can also use the Her Highness title overseas, but again, it doesn't exist in the Norwegian language. Um, 
And that came in 2002, she was 30 years old and it came a few months before she got married and pretty much at the same time that she announced that she was launching a business. You can go back and listen to episode 26, which is where we talk about Princess Marta Louise's rather interesting business activities. She talks to angels. So it was all announced then. And I think immediately after the announcement was made, Marta Louise did an interview with the press where she said that this is something that they'd been thinking about and that she'd been thinking about for a very long time and that it was a decision that had been taken to allow her to um, explore her business opportunities, which she couldn't do fully as um, HRH. So she'd obviously spent some time working for the royal family and doing the occasional thing, but they'd come to the decision that it was not possible for her to fully explore this, this private side of her life while still having an HRH. And so later on, it was also announced that she wasn't allowed to use her princess title for um, business activities at all, but she still maintains it. You know, that was somebody having something removed. It wasn't like Sphere Magnus where he was born with this difference in title and he, you know, his family had to explain it to him. It was something that was taken from her, but the vibe that came out of it was that it was very much something that Marta Louise had decided as a grown adult in collaboration with the rest of her family and that she was doing it for a very clear reason, which was that she wanted to be able to make her own money and support herself. And I think particularly that later one, so the initial one of removing the HRH to make her just Princess Marta Louise, kind of gave her that freedom to just pursue what she wanted to do, pursue business interests that might not have gelled with the kind of interests of the Norwegian monarchy but the more recent decision for her to not use a princess title I think is the one where some people were like oh the the royal family aren't happy with her because they're taking it off her but it was less them taking it off her and more of a case of as a family them going you are still princess Marta Louise but when you do your work you're just Marta Louise who has a job you're Marta Louise of Norway and there's She's never given any kind of impression that that was a problem for her. And she seems to have quite a clear divide, almost the same way the Norwegian royals are divided into house and family between royal work and private work. And the princess title allows that divide to be even clearer. Yes. So she has like two separate social media accounts. I don't think she uses the princess one very much anymore, but she has two that one's Princess Marta Louise and one's just Marta Louise. So, you know, and she puts her business activities on Marta Louise. So she very much has separated those two things publicly as well as sort of privately. You know, that situation was very much something that was done in response to external criticism. So I think there was sort of a clear, it wasn't like, I think, Harold just kind of went, you know what, I really don't like Marta Louise. She didn't give me a good enough Christmas present, so I'm going to take her title away from her. It was sort of, and it wasn't, it, the title wasn't taken away at all. It was just sort of, you can't use this in business opportunities. And I think Marta Louise is not stupid. She had seen all of the criticism. She had seen the concerns that people had. And she was a grown woman with children of her own. So she understood that this was beneficial to her, to her as much as it was beneficial to the family themselves that's the situation and so there's never been any kind of drama that's come out of it you know Marta Louise is a person who could bring a lot more drama than she does these are the things I want everybody to keep in mind as they listen to the rest of the episode so the summary of what's happened in Norway the royal house versus royal family and the title thing that comes from that that's very long established 
everybody's been allowed to keep the prince or princess title. They just had the style, the HRH removed, or they've been told they can't use it for business, but they all keep their titles. The decisions have been supported by a statement. So Marta Louise's uh, uh, losing her HRH when she was 30. That was supported immediately by a press statement. The decisions were made either when they were very young, so babies, or old enough that they were fully involved and had tried to be working royals and had tried to balance that with being in a, with having their own business and it hadn't really worked. And in Marta Louise's case, it was made in response to very clear public demand. So those are the things that I want to summarise and for you all to remember as we move through this episode. <laughs> And we'll come back to them a bit like during a lesson. Like we'll go back to the previous points and yes. we'll see how, the, how they hold up. Yeah. But then we move into Sweden. So this is a slightly more recent decision. Um, in October 2019, it was announced that uh, the king's grandchildren through his two youngest children prince carl philip and princess madeline um they would no longer be part of the royal house um they were allowed to keep their prince and princess titles and they were also allowed to keep um the dukedoms and well the duchies that they had um which are in sweden they're awarded for life and they're not inherited they lost their hrhs and they will not be expected to undertake duties in the future so the statement kind of you know it partly was about titles it was also partly about who's going to be a, a working member of the royal family so it said like carl gustaf and sylvia the king and queen Victoria and Daniel, the crown princess and her husband, would be working members of the royal family and that the other members of the family would basically appear at the king's discretion. It was a very clear statement, like it said exactly who it was happening to, what was happening to them, um, what they were keeping and what they weren't keeping and why. Much like the situation with Marta Louise when she had her HRH removed in 2002, it was immediately followed by coordinated statements on Carl Philip and Princess Madeline's public social media accounts and they said different things which I think is also smart because sometimes you see these things and you're like this is a copy and pasted statement you were told to write this and it, it doesn't feel natural but they wrote their own things in their own way but the gist of what they both said was this is something that we think is a positive for our children because it sort of con confirms and clarifies the situation for them moving forward and it gives them freedom to be able to explore their own opportunities rather than waiting around to see if they're going to be working royals or not um, and also that this is something that they had been discussing together as a family for a while. It was very clear and I think there's a lot of similarities with Norway in the way that the kind of immediate response from the members of the family affected who were like yeah fine with us they still kept their title so they were they're still prince or princess they're still duke or duchess it's just the hrh which has been sort of taken off them so you know if we look at leonor she's still princess leonor duchess of gotland she just isn't her royal highness and i think it's such a small thing because when people talk about her they don't tend to call her her royal highness no. leonor <laughs> all the time so the actual you know where impact it would have had on them day to day is negligible but it's a very clear statement early enough in their lives where they it, they can now grow up the rest you know the rest of their childhood years knowing that when they hit 18 they don't suddenly have to you know take on 57 Swedish patronages. The back it's important to think about the backdrop of this situation as well at the time that King Carl Gustaf made the announcement the government of Sweden was reviewing 
a lot of things related to the royal family, um, including like flag days. So like who gets a flag put up for their birthday or their name day? You know, they were reviewing um, basically who's a working royal and who isn't, how they report on finances. And at the time of the announcement, the review hadn't concluded. And so the general consensus was that Carl Gustav kind of jumped before he was pushed. And that if he hadn't made this announcement about the royal family, royal house divide, it's something that probably would have come from the government anyway, like it is in the Netherlands, where it's uh, regulated by an act of parliament. And I think, I mean, this is all speculation, but I think it was probably an attitude of like, it's better if it's coming from me as their grandfather than from some shapeless person that they don't know. And it also is kind of a natural progression because Princess Madeline and her family live in the United States. Um, Carl Philip and Sophia were already kind of naturally phasing out their work over the years and only did a small number of things every year. Yeah, and I think it worked really well with the ages of the children as well. Um, because when the grandchildren started being born, you had Princess Estelle, Princess Leonor, quite close together in age. And then there was a, a little gap before you got into people like um, Oscar, Nicholas and Alexander, who were kind of the next three. So when the grandchildren started being born, there was always the chance that the only grandchildren would have been Estelle and Leonor, who would have grown up and supported each other. And as small as Sweden is, if you think about how many kind of adult working royals they have at the moment, it would have been a lot to expect Estelle to do it all by herself when she was older, or even just Victoria and Daniel to do it with just themselves and Estelle. Yeah. Whereas by the time the decision was made, not only did Estelle have a brother in Oscar, but Princess Madeline had three children, but now Carl Philippe and Sophia have three children. They've had another one since. So there's six kind of, <laughs> I don't want to call them extra children, but bonus grandchildren. Bonus grandchildren. Who- yeah, famous grandchildren who are clearly beloved by the family and they go to these events, they're surrounded by their family, but they don't need to be doing the work that their parents necessarily have done. And I think the sort of change within the family from having like you've got two grandchildren to having eight grandchildren, it's a big difference, particularly for Princess Madeline and her children. They're not, they don't live in Sweden, they live in Florida. Their dad, Christopher O'Neill, doesn't have a title at all. He's not Prince Christopher, even though he could have been, they could have given him a title. He didn't want one because of his work when he married in. Their youngest daughter, Adrian, she hasn't lived in Sweden for her entire life. So like ever, she's always lived in Florida. It would be an incredibly hard culture shock to suddenly become 18 and have to move to Sweden and start working for a royal family. Like that would be far more difficult than growing up being a princess without the HRH. Definitely, definitely. And it kind of, um, you know, there were a lot of questions about that, the, the fact that her children weren't born in Sweden, they weren't raised in Sweden. And what did that mean? Did that mean they should still be in the line of succession or not? And from King Carl Gustav's perspective, this royal house versus royal family divide ended that conversation because he believes that if you're not in the royal house, it doesn't matter. Um, so the fact that the children live in Florida is not important because they're not members of the royal house. To him, not only was this royal family versus royal house divide thing kind of clarifying the situation, but it was also removing a potentially more frightening conversation about the kids being removed from the line of succession and having their prince and princess titles removed entirely. And so 
it kind of was the softest way that he could have gone about it. He's resolved all of the potential, in his mind, he's resolved all of the potential <laughs> questions around the grandchildren in a way that everybody comes out of it with the best possible outcome. And there were a lot, of course, for them to be like, at the very least, Princess Madeline's family shouldn't have titles. Yeah, her children shouldn't have these titles. Because if they're not their royal highnesses, being just princess, like any, I could call myself princess if I wanted. Like, there's nothing stopping me. So it seems, you know, less of a urgent reason to sort of, uh, urgent issue to need to be resolved. My, my summary for all the things that you need to keep in mind. So the summary, they kept their prince and princess titles and their duchies, but they lost HRH. Uh, the decisions were all supported by a public statement uh, from the parents, because obviously, you know, Leonor was five, she couldn't be writing a public statement, but the, from the parents, um, the decisions were made when the children were very young. So all of them were kind of either below school age or just starting school. And it was made in response to a clear public or kind of external demand. If you, you know, compare that summary to Norway, there is an awful lot in common. Not They're not identical, but there is enough in common where you can see things that have worked well, have worked well in both countries. Yes. Which leads us nicely <laughs> into Denmark. It's my favourite royal story that's happened in the last week, in all honesty. I don't know if any other royal stories have happened because I have been entirely focused on this. <laughs> I have a friend who was saying that it's basically like the Royal Housewives of Copenhagen, <laughs> which I, I, I really love. It has definitely turned into that a little bit. So this happened, it will have been last week when, when you're listening to this podcast. The main thing about this story is that the person who is most heavily involved is somebody who throughout this podcast we have just referred to as Mr. Marie. <laughs> because we tried to pronounce his name once and neither of us nearly knew what to say and we were both got it very very wrong so we decided that we would just call him Mr Marie because he's married to a woman called Marie but he's going to come up so many times that I kind of feel like we have to not call him Mr Marie so I did look up how to say his name and I think it's Joachim I suggest we call him Jojo yeah I'll go with that Jojo I can pronounce Jojo and not offend anyone. So last week, uh, Queen Margrethe, the Queen of Denmark, announced that her grandchildren through Jojo, uh, so that's Nikolai, Prince Nikolai, Prince Felix, Prince Henrik, and Princess Athena, are going to be stripped of their prince and princess titles from the 1st of January 2023. Uh, and instead, they will go by their existing titles, the Count and Countess of Montpezat, uh, which is something that they got through their late uh, grandfather, Prince Henrik. So I won't read out the entire statement, but some a couple of things that they said um, was that it was in line. They made a point of saying that it's similar adjustments that other royal houses have made in various ways in recent years. So it's like in line with those decisions. And she says that she wanted to create a framework for the four grandchildren to be able to shape their own lives to a much greater extent without being limited by the special considerations and duties that formal affiliation with the Royal House of Denmark as an institution involved. Immediately after the announcement, Jojo's ex-wife, Alexandra, who is the mother of the two oldest children, uh, Nikolai and Felix, she released a statement. Um, and then later Jojo himself also gave a statement. And basically 
they said, amongst other things, that the kids didn't know about this in advance, that they didn't know about this in advance, that they were all incredibly hurt and upset by the decision. And then the court kind of fired back and said, oh, no, they've known about this since May. We've been talking about this since May. And then Jojo said, well, no, what you told me in May was that they'd be stripped when they turned 25. You never told me that they were going to be stripped now. And we've only known the plan now for a few days. And the Queen didn't even tell us it was some random guy who works in her household. And then Nikolai, who's in his 20s, he's the oldest grandchild, he started speaking up and he basically backed up all of the things that his parents said and said that they've been very upset. And then again, we had another thing from Marie and Jojo who gave an interview saying that uh, their children are now being bullied in school because of this. The issue for them is that they couldn't, they didn't get enough notice, so they couldn't prepare the children. Um, So there's just been basically, since the announcement, there has just been a ton of back and forth between the household and the various members of Jojo's family, kind of slinging back and forth at each other. It's good to look at why this was such a disaster. (laughs) And yet it, it was so easy in Norway and Sweden. This is the most harsh of all of these changes. They lost all of the, they lost their prince and princess title entirely. Something that has come up in a lot of the interviews and statements released by Jojo and Marie and Alexandra and Nikolai is that the four children, the four children, the four grandchildren, have clearly grown up with the knowledge that their name is prince or princess Nikolai or you know prince Nikolai or prince Felix they are finding it very hard to get their head around the fact that that will not be their name anymore um as Alexandra pointed out Nikolai her adult son is very confused now about what will go on his passport which is slightly more seriously it, it has been their name since they were since Nikolai was born yeah yeah so I think there's kind of two points in one here as to why that's why this has gone so badly so part of that is the fact that it was is without a doubt the harshest and almost punitive um, kind of approach to the situation of all of the royal families that we've mentioned. And the other part is kind of the age of the children that these decisions are impacting. So in terms of the, the titles themselves, they've kind of, what they've been left with now that they've had the prince and princess title removed is the Count and Countess of Montpezat. Now, all of them have that. Everybody who is a male line descendant of Prince uh, Henrik is a count and countess of Montpezat. So all four of these children are counts or countesses of Montpezat. So it's not like they've been given something special that's just for them. I mean, even their mother, she got given her own special countess title when she divorced their father because she was so popular. So like her title is more special because it's her title. They all have to share one, essentially. Like, what can you imagine at the dinner table being like, oh, can the Count of Montpezat please pass the salt? And you're like, which one? There's seven million of us. You know, it just, it doesn't, it feels like they've been left with like just really nothing. And that title in itself is also a strange one because it's, um, it's French and it came from Prince Henrik, who there's a lot of dispute about whether or not it was a legitimate title or whether or not Henrik's ancestors basically just went, we want to have a fancy title and we're going to claim this one. So a lot of people think that it's just made up entirely. So I just, I kind of feel like it's not just the fact that they've been ta- had the prince and princess and the HRH take- taken away. It's also the fact that what they've been left with is like kind of rubbish. It's a weird one because people are like, oh, it's a title. What does it matter in the grand scheme of things? But it, it's your it's your name. And for these children, their name has been Prince or Princess something Denmark their entire life. 
And now they've been told that not only are they not prince or princess anymore, they're not going to be of Denmark anymore either because they're not a prince or princess. Um, and what they've been left with is this strange sort of count or you know countess title that their cousins, who are still prince and princesses, also have. That their dad, who is still a prince, also has. Um, it's not special. It's not like in Norway, where no one was given a duke or duchess or count or countess title at birth, so it doesn't matter. And it's not like Sweden, where they were all given their own individual one that is just theirs for their life and they don't have to worry about it. They've been given this kind of as a family. It's almost like an extra surname. It's almost like they just said, oh, you can keep this like bonus surname you've got, but nothing else. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. And also, I think it's particularly harsh because this doesn't apply to the Greek royal family or the deposed Greek royal family. So um, there's this old rule that everybody who's a descendant of, I think it's Christian the Ninth, I don't know, one of the many Christians, gets to be a prince or a princess of Denmark. And most royal families who have who apply, who this applies to are also royals of other countries, so they don't use those titles. Whereas the Greeks, they don't, they still use their Greek titles, but they're not technically, they don't mean anything. So to kind of keep a title that means something, they all go by Prince and Princess of Greece and Denmark. And none of them have lost their Prince of Denmark or Princess of Denmark titles. It's just Jojo's grandchildren. Um, so I think that's another thing that like this decision, while she might say that it's in line with similar adjustments, it is much, much harsher and much more targeted than the other royal houses have been. I'm going to go back to Norway, but if you think about Norway, it's less a case of this has been sort of taken away. It was a case of only this person will have the HRH, only the heir and the heirs there will have the HRH. Whereas in Denmark, they've not said only the heir and the heirs there. They've said only these people don't get it. Yes. Everyone yes. else gets it. They might have this idea that like, oh, well, all of these royal families are doing it. But if you actually look at the detail, most other royal families have not done this to the degree that the Danish royal family have done. Um, but I think something else that was kind of mentioned in the, the milieu there was about the age. And I think, so um, Nikolai and Felix are both adults. They're over 18 now. Um, so the, the other children are, uh, I think, 13 and 10. I think that's, or 13 and 11. I don't know, around that age. So they're substantially older than all of the children were in Sweden and uh, Sver Magnus was in um, Norway, but also substantially younger than Marta Louise was in Norway when she made that decision at the age of 30. So I think a lot of people are kind of being quite flippant about it and uh, kind of saying, well, it's just a title, it doesn't really matter, blah, blah, blah. And I understand that, but I when I when I was about four years old my mum got married to my stepdad he's my dad but for the purposes of the story it makes more sense if I explain that he is technically my stepdad and I was I don't know whether I was asked or whether I brought this up voluntarily but basically the the topic of what my name would be came up because I'd always had my mum's maiden name and I was like four or five years old and I said and I quote well I want to go by Jessica I'll say my last name is Smith just for this because that's what everyone knows me as now, I was four. I knew 10 people, half of them I was related to, and the other half were also four and had no idea what their own last name was, <laughs> let alone mine. But I already had this idea, and I'm, that's still the case. I still go by what my mum's maiden name was. And believe me, it has caused a lot of difficulties. But even at like four or five years old, I had an understanding of like, 
these are the words that people use to refer to me. These are my names and that's part of who I am. So I actually can kind of understand based on my own experiences where they're coming from. They've had their name changed without their permission and it was done very, very publicly. So I think if you as someone, you know, think, well, of course a woman can choose to keep her own name when she gets married because that's her identity. You should have the same feeling for some children whose names were just changed without their consent, essentially. Yeah, because the HRH or the His Highness or whatever, those are styles. Those are not titles. Those are not names. Um, so it's fairly easy to drop those because, you don't, as, as we said earlier, you don't use them in school. Like she doesn't go into school and is like, hello, I am Her Royal Highness, Princess Athena. You know, but her name is Princess Athena. And I think it's just that age, because if they'd done this when the kids were four or five, then it's easier because they start school with their new name and they start school knowing what the situation is for them and their parents can kind of have time to prepare them. Ideally it'd be done before they're even born. But um, you know, if you're, if they're sort of three or four, it's easier. They are all old enough to understand that this title is part of their name, but they aren't necessarily old enough to understand why the decision might've been made by, by the queen or to sort of have lived a life as private citizens it's just an odd age for them to do it. And like Alexandra said that um, the they they had already expected within the family that the children would lose their titles when they got married, which is something that has happened in Denmark in the past. But usually it was because they married somebody who was like a commoner. And obviously that doesn't happen now. But for whatever reason, it seemed like both the public and the royals themselves had an understanding that they would lose their title when they got married. So her view was like, well, it's they we had prepared for it to happen at this particular point we weren't we're not angry that they're losing it entirely but we'd prepared for it to happen at a specific point so why are you doing it now when none of them were prepared for it and none of them want it because of the way the order the children were born in Nikolai and Felix are older than Christian and Isabella so Prince Nikolai was born as the only grandchild um, so obviously when he was born, there was the chance that Frederick would not get married. He hadn't even met Mary at that point. He might not have had gone on to have any children. So Nikolai would have been raised in those initial years with the fact that there was always the chance he would grow up to be the king because that might have happened. And I think if there is a, what is it, five, six years between Nikolai and Christian. So it's not like it was three months and he moved on it was you know he would have been starting school school age by the time that that would have changed and I'm sure his family his mum and his dad would have had a discussion with him and said oh now Christian will be king so that's good for you but this might be some things that you have to do when you grow up you have to you know help him and support him because he's your little cousin um but now obviously Mary and Frederick have gone on to have four children of their own and Nikolai and Felix and Henrik and Athena have grown up knowing that that's not required of them it feels almost like it does feel like a punishment to take that away from them even if they're not being punished it feels like they've said oh we've got this lot now you're not really necessary anymore you don't get to be prince and princess when they must know looking at Josephine and, and Vincent the younger two children that they're probably going to grow up having a very similar life to Henrik and Athena. There's probably not going to be a massive difference in what they do as adults. So I imagine if I was 11, I think even at my age, at 
how old am I? 26. I would be, if I lost my title and my cousin didn't, and we were going to grow up and have the same life, I'd be a bit upset. And I'd be like, hang on, why, what have I done wrong? Or what has mum and dad done wrong that make grandma's taking this off me? Yeah, definitely. And I think this kind of speaks to the biggest issue, which is really that the decision was not well handled privately. And so if you look at Sweden or Norway, it shows how coordination helps. I think we ultimately don't know what happened behind closed doors in Sweden. It's very possible that Madeline threw a plate at the wall because she was so angry at the thought of her children not having HRHs. But by the time it became public, it was a coordinated thing that this was being done and that everybody agreed that it was for the best for the children. So however long they took to decide that as a family internally, however much time and space they had to give people to get over it and whatever negotiations they had to have, they all happened privately. And I think what's bothering me is that it's disingenuous to me that they claimed in their original statement that the reason they were doing this was solely pretty much to help the children, to give them the freedom to be able to do business activities and to know that they're not going to be working royals. And so, you know, they can do what they like with their life. But obviously has come out from Marie and Jojo and Alexandra and Nikolai um, that that's <laughs> that that's not the case at all and so in one of the statements that the the royal family gave in, or the royal house gave in response they said they we hope they understand the need to future proof the institution of the, of the monarchy which is a different reasoning and I think you know in Sweden it, and or in Norway I'm sure that these decisions were ultimately taken to be able to make sure that the family um, wasn't growing too ex exponentially. But because everybody was in agreement, they were able to sell it publicly as something that was a beneficial decision for the children because it clarified their situation. Whereas Denmark was like, oh, well, we'll just say the same thing because that worked really well over in Sweden. But they didn't actually ask the people who were impacted. And so to me, it just comes across as really disingenuous to say, we're doing this because we think it will be best for these children. But they never asked those children what would be best for them. They never asked their parents what would be best for them. And so if they just said at the beginning, this is to future proof the institution, I would have felt like it was less damaging for me anyway. I don't think it would have been for everyone else. But for me, I think it would have been less damaging because it wouldn't have felt like they were just trying to make themselves out to be good and, do, and magnanimous and doing this out of the general, you know, the goodness of their heart when that's clearly not the case. As of, you know, when we are recording now, as of last night, the last thing we heard from them, so the Saturday night, almost four days since the news broke, there has been no communication between Margarita and the children. So Jodo and Ray said they haven't heard from Margarita. They've not heard from Mary or Frederick. Um, Alexandra said she hasn't heard from them. Nikolai says he hasn't spoken to his grandmother. Despite the fact that they have very publicly come out and said, hang on, we're not happy with this. Our children are upset. No one in this family has gone, you know what would be a really good idea? Let's just give them a call. Margarita is the queen, but she is also their mother, you know, and their grandmother. And she ultimately made the decision and has then washed her hands of it and has been, you know, the thing, that's, the thing that's really getting me is that her and Mary, and I think only because they are, and Benedict, who are the three that have been out, have all spoken to the press. It went just when they've asked questions, they've answered them. But they've not spoken, they've not taken the time to contact the family who have actually been impacted. 
Yeah, I mean, it's honestly shocking to me how badly this whole thing has been handled because I just don't understand how you could make this decision and think that it wasn't going to cause drama. It just baffles me that it's that it's ha- worked out this way, especially because this is not a new situation that Marie and Jojo were treated differently. They moved to France. Um, They said very publicly in an interview that the move to France had not been entirely their decision and that they would have loved to have kept working in Denmark because they love Denmark and they love doing their job, uh, which is also something they've said here as well, um, but that they were kind of pushed out by persons unknown. And so it's not like it's news that Marie and Jojo are willing to talk to the press and are willing to say that they're not particularly thrilled with decisions that are made without their consent. So I just don't understand how nobody thought like, oh, maybe we should call them and let them know. <laughs> and if the st- if it is set in stone that their titles are being removed on the 1st of January, they didn't need to announce that until the 1st of January or the, tw- or the 31st of December, you know, at the latest. They did not need to announce it on the 28th of September. They could have spent the next three months talking discussing and I think something that is notable is that if you look at Norway and Sweden Marta Louise has her own kind of business interest and that's why she kind of stepped back from that title and was willing to be like yeah I'm not going to go as princess Marta Louise when I'm doing my own job because it, I have my own passion and the same for Madeleine and Chris and Carl Philippe and Sophia they're all willing to work for the family but they've all got their own passions and interests that they want to almost spend more time on. Whereas Jojo and Marie have always wanted to work for Denmark, even though they've not necessarily worked loads, they've always been very clear and vocal about the fact that they have wanted to work for Denmark as much as possible. Maybe there is something going on that we don't know about, but unlike Sweden and Norway, as far as I'm aware, there is no clamoring amongst the the Danish public for this to have happened. There's no, as far as I'm aware, there's no government review that's ongoing like there was in Sweden. Nikolai is in his 20s, so he has been working for several years. He's been working as a model and he's been allowed to use his princely title by his grandmother. All the other royal families had something that was going on externally that meant that they had to make this decision, but they seemed to still take their time with it. Whereas in Denmark, they had all the time in the world, but they didn't use it at all. And it doesn't seem to marry up with what they've done in the past. Like you said earlier, when Jojo and Alexandra got divorced, Margreta invented a title for her. Like, she was so popular in Denmark. They gave her this made-up title. They gave her, you know, they essentially helped. It was kind of child support, but it was far more than your average child support that they gave her until Felix turned 18. And then you look at someone like Nikolai and Felix, who have been using their titles and working, If that was the problem, then why didn't they say you can work as Nikolai of Denmark or Nikolai Glucksberg or Nikolai Fredericksburg, but you can't work as Prince Nikolai, but you're still Prince Nikolai, like they do in lots of royal families. Like if we go to Britain, like Princess Beatrice works under the name Beatrice York, but she's still Princess Beatrice. That's not been taken off her. She just doesn't use it. And I think that was an option. They could have said, look, when you work, whatever job you go into, you have to be Nikolai Glucksberg or whatever it is, 
I actually think that does need nicely lead me into kind of the conversation about the British royal family. So I've seen a lot of things saying um, that Charles is watching all of this carefully and that he should be the next one to act and he should strip all of these people of prince and princess and blah, and not give it to Archie and Lily and blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's interesting. I've got a lot of messages about this, obviously, because it's a big conversation. I've deleted most of them. I'm just going to let you know if you sent me a message in the last few days, I've deleted it because I did say twice that we're talking about it in the podcast so I didn't want to say things on the blog that I might talk about in the podcast so I'm sorry to everyone who sent me a message but I have deleted it probably um and the interesting thing is like I, I think the, the messages that I've got they've kind of divided in in their sympathy towards Jojo and his family so some are very sympathetic and have said you know this was the right decision but it was handled badly others have said this was um, they're just complaining and whining and they should just shut up. But the interesting thing is every single person who has messaged me so far has assumed that I would think stripping somebody of a prince or princess title is a positive thing. And maybe Margareta went about it in the wrong way, but she was coming from the right place of trying to strip things. And I think I understand why people think that I would think that because I'm very critical of the royal families and I am very critical of their value for money and their sort of abuse of power and all of these things. I'm, I'm, I'm very critical and always have been. But I actually might surprise people in saying that I don't think it's the best decision to strip people of prince and princess titles. And I've written out a whole thing here because I, I got very into it last night when I was doing my notes. But <laughs> I think at best, removing a prince or a princess title does nothing and at worst it's a cover and so none of these countries that we've talked about state that if you have a prince or princess title you automatically have the right to work as a royal and we know that because Marta Louise doesn't really, Nikolai hasn't been for the last few years, Felix hasn't been for the last few years, none of these um, countries uh, state that you get money if you're a prince or princess automatically. And in fact, it was already confirmed that Nikolai and his siblings would not get a salary, um, an appanage, so an allowance from the state. In fact, it was also confirmed that none of Christian's siblings, uh, so the crown prince and crown princess of Denmark, their children would get, other than Christian, who's their heir, would get money. So they all get to keep their prince and princess title, but they don't get any money either. So it doesn't impact that. And even if I, a lot of people have kind of said, um, that well you know that if they have the prince and princess title they're able to abuse it for business interests and we've already shown well actually you can just request that they don't use it for business interests but they still are allowed to have it you don't need to strip it from them um but i also think that's naive because they are still grandchildren of a monarch regardless of what they're known by and so they are still able to make money from their royal connection and it might not be like a book deal like maybe a book deal would be more likely to go to a prince or a princess than somebody who isn't or a prince or a princess but if you walk into well princess Beatrice her job is um basically she takes rich people out for lunch to try and get them to sign up for this company that she works for but the company that she works for is run by somebody who is a friend of the royal family so she had that connection regardless of whether or not she's a prince or a princess and people would be impressed to sit in a room with the queen's grandchild whether or not she was a prince or a princess so i think it's naive to say that oh stripping them of the title means that they can't possibly ever make money from their royal connection ever again so basically everyone who is sort of celebrating the decision or saying that daisy uh, queen margareta had to do it and saying that Charles should immediately follow suit. To me, I think 
I don't really understand that point of view because it is solely a PR exercise. It doesn't in any way make the monarchy better value for money. It doesn't actually modernize them. It doesn't actually make them more progressive. And my worry about it in the UK in particular is that Charles would do this as a splashy thing to be like, oh, look how much I'm, I'm, I'm changing the monarchy while doing absolutely nothing that actually makes a difference. So that's my rant. I'm going to take a breath. <laughs> Enjoyed it. But I, I, I agree, essentially. I think the stripping of titles is a punishment. Yeah. When Harry and Meghan made the decision not to be working royals anymore, people who called for them to lose their titles did it because they wanted them to be punished for not doing what people perceived their job as. I was looking at people who've had their title stripped from them. And if you go to Spain um, and look at the king's sister, Infanta Cristina, her duchy title was stripped from her when she was accused of a crime and had to go to court. And when her husband was found guilty of a crime, she's still Infanta Cristina. That wasn't taken from her. She didn't lose her princess title, but she lost this extra one she had as a punishment for doing something. I mean, if we look at Princess Athena, she's what, 10? She's a child. She can't, I mean, what's the worst she could have done? Like being mean at school. And, you know, if you look now at a list of royals who've had their titles stripped, you've got actual criminals and people involved in wars. And then these four children who haven't done very much. Yeah, it's like Princess Athena is, is now on the same, is in the same position as people who committed treason. <laughs> I think I don't like the narrative of like, oh, this was their birthright. And so they should be allowed to keep all the titles because this is their, you know, and all those. I don't I'm not somebody who believes in that sort of thing. I do believe that to a degree, some of this is a privilege, um, especially if it's like a duke or a duchess title, which is awarded to you specifically as a person and, and not like a prince or a princess thing, which is just what you were born with. It's just your name. I'm not one of those who's like really into that kind of narrative. My point is basically just that it doesn't impact anything other than the people who are prince or princess to remove the title. It really does not. And that's why I don't see the point in it. I'm very much in favour of modernising the monarchy. But to me, modernising the monarchy means hiring people of colour in senior decision-making roles. That's modernising the monarchy because it's bringing in different ideas and it's embracing diversity in a way that they never have before. Become more transparent in in how you report on your finances. You know, they haven't even told you what was in the Queen's will, you know, because that's kept from public view. So stop doing stuff like that or not moving into a giant uh, home in Windsor when you've already got several giant homes, uh, one of which you spent <laughs> millions of public money to renovate and then never lived in or lived in for like five seconds in the middle of a cost of living crisis. Those things are tangible, but removing a prince or a princess title in none of these countries that we mentioned actually saves the royal family money uh, because we they were already not going to get the, the money anyway. It doesn't actually cut down on the number of people who are working royals or who are not working royals. So the people who were coming from, the, I understand why people think that I would assume that removing the prince and princess title is a good thing, but to me, it does nothing. So what's the point? <laughs> yeah, I think, there's an element of confusion between the titles and their link with money and their link with security. And essentially, a title is just a name. It's just anyone, like King Charles could turn around tomorrow and make me a duchess or a, or a 
you know, a princess if he wanted. He could just be like, yeah, you're from now on, I'm going to do a letters painting. You're going to be known as Princess Grace. And it would be weird, but it wouldn't actually, I wouldn't suddenly have security following Murray around. I wouldn't get a load of money from the government. It would just be a weird name. No matter whether you think it's a good or a bad thing, I think you need to think about what it would be like if it was your favourite royals or your least favourite royals. Because if we go to the UK and there is such a discussion about are Archie and Lily going to be prince or princess or are they not? And part of me just wants to be like, what does it matter? But at the same time, everyone who wants them not to have it, what, what is, why do you want them not to have it? Like, Can you give me a reason? Because I think, you know, if we look at, you know, Norway, where it's worked really well, then by all rights, you know, Charlotte and Louis shouldn't have the title. They shouldn't be her, their royal highnesses. And are you willing to take that as a step? Would you be happy with that? Or is it just because you're upset with what Harry and Meghan have done? Or alternately, if you really, really want them to have these titles because you think, you know, that's what you believe, why? Because they're not going to get anything from it. They're not going to get security. They're not going to get money from the government because they've got special titles. So is othering them in a different continent actually going to help them? Or is it just a status that you want for these children that you don't even know? And there are things that Charles could be doing instead of making decisions, because in actuality, we all know that Lily is never going to work for the British royalty because she doesn't even live in the UK. She lives in America. I'm so glad you agree with me because I wasn't sure what, how you would think about this. But um, I've seen a lot of people who have been like, oh, just get over it. It's not that important. It's not that big a deal. It's just a principle. And it's like, OK, but if it's not that big a deal, why is it a big deal to you that they are upset about it? Like it goes both ways. So it's not a big deal for it to be removed. It's also not a big deal for them to have it, surely. In my view, it probably is better to not have a prince or a princess title or to not use it for your business interests or to have this clarity. I think the Swedish model, I think they're probably right that it will it will provide some level of freedom to their children just because the public now knows they're not going to be expected to answer for to the Swedish royal family in the same way that uh, Estelle and Oscar are. But the only people who it helps are the, the people who are impacted, who have the titles. So surely, if you're going to make the decision one way or another, they're the people who are most important to talk to. And I think that is the big thing that hasn't hasn't been done in this case. And that I worry about if they did it in the UK as well, because we know that Harry and Meghan have some very strong ideas about the prince and princess title being taken away from their children as the only kind of mixed race children in the royal family. Harry and Meghan may not respond very well if this is done without any consultation with them and without any ability for them to kind of own the narrative. And I think that's that would be a courteous thing to do. It's like, if you're going to take this away from them, let them set the narrative to a degree. If you think about it in the UK, when Prince Andrew, this wasn't about titles as such, but when he stepped back after the Panorama interview, he they he released a statement that said that he was going to take a step back because his presence basically was a distraction. In reality, we all know that the Queen or Charles or William or somebody in that family was like, this is he is not going to be able to keep working. This is not happening. And we need to fix this now. And Andrew's just obviously a lot more compliant than Jojo and Marie and Alexandra is. But they gave him the opportunity to pretend that it was his decision in this public statement. And they gave him a level of like dignity and um, courtesy that hasn't been done in this case, which, you know, or, and I think it would be the same issue if it's Archie and Lily. It's like, 
either you, as you say, you put out the statement that says we don't agree on this, but we hope it, we've talked about it a lot and we hope in time that everyone will see it was the right decision. Um, or you give them, you say like, you take you take one on take one for the team basically and you allow the Sussexes to say we were offered the title but we decided that it was best for our children not to be separated from everyone else you you allow them the opportunity to be to get in a bit of a dig because it makes the whole situation better in the long run because they're not going to complain about it that i mean the duke and duchess of cambridge have just become the prince and princess of wales and everyone is very very happy that they are prince and princess and not duke and duchess um, even though it's not really impact, it's not changed anything for them in terms of what their job is. Everyone keeps saying, like, oh, what do you think Kate will do now? She's Princess of Wales. It's like what she's been doing for the last 10 years. Like yeah. it's not actually changed anything. But then you can't in the same breath then be like, well, it doesn't matter that Athena's not Princess Athena anymore because mm. you've just told me for the last month yeah. how happy you are that Kate is now the Princess of Wales. She's not even Princess Kate. It's not even her name. She's still just Catherine. I, I understand why people might be in support of the the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge getting the Prince and Princess of Wales, but not Princess Athe- uh, Princess Athena being taken, having her title taken away. I understand why people might not agree with the situations. They might be different, but I don't agree with, pe- I don't understand how people can say that titles don't matter and they should get over it because it's not important, but then say that it's really important for this other couple. That's the bit that doesn't compute. It doesn't, they're contradictory ideas. You can't, they don't make sense. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the, it's just, I think, I mean, once again, I think Norway have done it the best. You know, they have a very clear, simple system. They put it in place early enough that this wouldn't be a disaster, you know, and they've thought about it. And everyone involves being involved the whole time. Like, it's been a group decision the whole time. The, the problem is that, or the way that it worked, the reason that it worked so well for Harold was that, it was this foresight of like, we're a small royal family, we don't need a ton of people, so we're going to sort out the situation before these kids are even born, and then everybody knows. And then later on, they did things in response to external, specific external pressures, but they were still done in collaboration with people who were adults and who were fully able to make the decision and understand the implications of it. This has obviously damaged them because this is one of the few stories that my mum texted me about And my mum only texts me about royal stories if they've crossed over into the mainstream. So it's very, very rare. And so now the only thing that most people in the world know about the Danish royal family, they probably didn't know they existed last week, but now they know they all hate each other (laughs) and um, they're all in a feud. (laughs) So like it has not done anything positive for the royal family, which is their, you know, their argument for doing it in the first place. So I just feel like regardless of what you think of the actual decision, it was handled terribly and even if you think that Nikolai is just kind of whining and he should get over it and he's always privileged boy blah 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 like the I, the concept of Athena going to school as a little 10 year old and having her her classmates walk up to her being like oh you're the one who's not a princess anymore I read about you or my mummy talked about you like that's a horrible thing to think about and I don't understand how anybody can agree with how this has been handled and be so cruel as to think that it's unfair for parents to be upset that they didn't get to prepare their child for this. Team Jojo. (laughs) Yeah, I never thought I would be team Mr. Marie. (laughs) 
So thank you everybody for joining us for this episode of the On Air podcast. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, it was nice to be able to talk about something that was not the British royal family for once. Uh, but other than that, it is a goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.